I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello, listeners. We have quite the treat for you. We have quite the treat for us. I was... was so good so i guess we should talk about what we did tonight so this is the first live action that we've re-watched and we are promising that this will go less than 45 minutes i am We're, holding I'm do my best Tara to this i said i wouldn't take any notes and i took a lot of notes we could also go way less than 45 minutes 45 minutes is still a pretty long mini episode i'm just saying it's not happening okay uh but we watched the 101 dalmatians which came out in 1996 with glenn close and jeff daniels jolie and- richardson huey Hugh- huey Hugh, Hugh Laurie. Laurie, Mark Stevens, I believe is the other one's, the other, uh, is, is Horace. Yes. Oh, no. Hugh Laurie, Mark Williams, and uh, Joan Plowright. Plowright? As Nanny. Oh, yes. I butchered all those. And I'm so sorry. And guys, I honestly will say, so this is an idea we've been having for a little bit about throwing in a few extra episodes, just watching some of the live ex- actions here and there. And now there are so many live actions. But when we recorded the 101 Dalmatian episode, I started kind of having a few memories from this one and talking about how much I loved it as a kid. And I was like, well, surely it won't hold up as well. I thought the same thing. And I went, this is going to be kind of dumb because I remember I saw it in theaters. I was also probably about 15. I was was probably around that age to be like, okay. So it's probably around that age to be like, this is dumb. It was actually pretty enjoyable on a second view. I think a second it holds viewing. up. Like I laughed, I got teary eyed in spots. I really loved it. <laughs> in spots. Oh, haha. Uh, I really, truly enjoyed it. It brought back the nostalgia from remembering seeing it. But then also, since we just watched the original, there were a lot of really cool tie-ins uh, that we'll get to. And I'm gonna try not to go like beat for beat like we normally do, but I did write it down in that way because there were a lot of really unique things ha- happened throughout it. But I don't know if you want to talk about how much it made before we get into it, or if you yes. want to do that at the end. So it was made for. It cost. 75 million to make which we've decided the majority of the budget was towards training the animals yes. there are so many real animals in this film it was crazy uh and it made 320.7 million which wow. is great yeah um so one couple of things i didn't remember about this so first off, it was directed by stephen herrick who let me pull up exactly what else he's directed i know he has directed bill and ted's excellent adventure mr holland's opus oh my goodness uh the three musketeers which we watched and did not hold up for yeah. me. But it, it, I had some parts I really enjoyed. The, the live action Three Musketeers and the first Critters. Interesting. Do you know Critters? No, I've heard of it, but I don't it's like little really. Monsters. Yeah. It's like gremlins, only mm-hmm. they're from space. Well, and, and they then eat we, everything. And we noticed that it was produced by John Hughes, but he also wrote the script. Which, if you watch, if, if, if the two movies I suggest you perhaps watch before this are 
101 Dalmatians, the Disney animated version, and Home Alone. And we watch Home Alone every year, so we know it very well. And Mm -hmm. this hits a lot of Home Alone beats. It hits a lot of, like, not only as Horace and Jasper, we mentioned how they have a Home Alone vibe, which I never really picked up on, and Michael mentioned it in our last episode. Marv and Harry feel like they're direct descendants from these guys. Horace and And Jasper. This Horace and Jasper feel like the next step. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Or, like, could be cousins to... Marvin Harry. So I will say this Horace and Jasper, I like so much more. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you as well. But so it kind of opens and, you know, you see London and it's like a glass bottled milk delivery, which I just thought was interesting because it's supposed to be modern day. Now you're starting to go ahead and do the synopsis. I know, I know, I I know. That was just one thing. That was just one thing that I thought was interesting. (laughs) But we see like the whole morning routine is the same thing with Pongo, but it's way more detailed. Like Pongo starts the shower and he gets the coffee ready. And like, he's basically taking care of Jeff Daniels. Who's Roger. It's like him taking care of his pet, but well, don't you think? Yes. But that's another thing we, we about this one, as opposed to the other one, there's no voiceover. It's not like babe or anything like that. Where, yeah. Where the so the dogs never, tra- none of the animals ever yeah. talk. They talk in like barks and, and chirps, but there's like, Every bark seemed pretty genuine. There was only the one where, uh, like, some Hugh Laurie fell through the floor. And, and the, the puppy, the, like, went, laughed <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And that was about it. Everything else, like, felt seemed like just... Seemed true to the animal. W- yeah, barks that were happening on screen. It and wasn't, not only, like, foleyed in or anything. Not only the the dogs, but the other animals, too. Some of the birds and the horses and things like that that come in later. But that's the other thing I wrote somewhere here in my notes is that, like you got so much emotion from these animals that never talked like you were they you were still able to connect with them and i was really impressed with how that came across on the screen even though they had no lines and technically like no dialogue even though they were conversing with one another so i think in other ones we're going to do a little bit better job of doing some study before we go in this was kind of let's watch it and we'll we'll just record i'm also okay with not doing too much today because like i said these need to stay short they're mini episodes yeah i am but there were things i was curious about with this but according to this is there were over 200 Dalmatian puppies they train. Now, I really, I think I told you 200 animals. Yeah. No, just the Dalmatian oh, wow. puppies were over. They had to find 200 that's of them. That's crazy. Because I'm sure as long as this may have taken some of them, you know, and that's kind of an A, puppies go pretty fast. Like, yeah. that's like, they'll look different. And then you have to find ones that, you know, that they, lo- ha- they had the- ones that were named. They had Dipstick and. Yeah, so the ones that were named that they give collars to are Jewel, Dipstick, Fidget, Two-Tone, and Wizard, uh, who everywhere we find out but it wasn't as in as as like much of a joke as i remembered it being it happened twice i remembered two big jokes from this one was that there's a dog named wizard yeah and then the other one was the part where uh marv uh, uh jasper and horace step over the, the electric, electric fence, fence and then electrocute their yeah and uh but the way they walked away from the that fence part was, was really funny really but, good. but i went Oh, I remember this being those since those are the only two things I remember. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be really stupid. It's gonna be a lot of that. Those are that. That's it. I think everything else is pretty. I mean, there's madcap, uh, physical humor. But I think it fits like where yeah, they use it. For I'm the most thinking part. of it more of like let letting the parents know so they know. Like, yes. if you think your if your kids are okay with most Home Alone, uh, hijinks, per, hijinks, yeah. then this is I think a little bit toned down from yeah. This. And the other dog's name we know, but they don't give a color to in that moment, is Lucky. But mm-hmm. Lucky is the one that they save 
uh, yeah, going back to what we said in the 101. Mirrors yeah. the mirrors the cartoon. And so the other thing I want to mention here is how they meet. They meet in the park, similar where Pongo goes after them, but like it's so much more like wild and intense. And at first, Roger's the only one who goes into the water, and then he comes and he's really angry. And Pongo has found Purdy and Anita, and Anita is like trying to figure out whose owner is Pongo. And Jeff Daniels has just had a horrible day. He's not a composer. He's a video game designer. Ryan had some issues with that. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about those issues, but. You know, honestly, I've seen, I'll be 100% honest. I've seen a lot of people attempt to uh, portray uh, video game design. Uh, A lot of the ones that are the most eye-rolly are anytime. Tara watches a lot of procedural. uh, Crime shows. Yeah, like. uh, NCIS. Well, NCIS quotes, I took an arrow to the knee. McGee actually quotes Skyrim. But the Law and Order doesn't do a great job with it. and Yeah. I But I got to be honest. Like, as soon as they went, oh, he's a video game designer, I rolled my eyes at it. I don't think they try to portray the process. There's one part where he's, like, typing. He's coding. He's obviously coding because one of the big things is he keeps taking it to this kid and being like, Tell me, you know, he has to to get over with this kid. This and kid basically gives him the funding for the game or not. And he's he like does it, but goo- the other guy yeah, does. Yeah, but he's a guru, so they take yes, it to the kid. And which then is, the adult, like, That's makes kind the of decision. funny because I – and the kid's always really nice. It's They're never really snotty. He never comes out. He's like, eh, like, he's not like a, like a bad – uh, uh, pastiche of like a Ritalin kid or anything. He's a very nice kid. He goes very intellectual. Yeah, he goes. Oh, the environments are very nice, and I like the gameplay. But I think you need a more compelling villain. And yeah. I'm like, okay, this kid's got some good. Like, I God in heaven, I wish I got notes like that for video games. A desire to annihilate. That's a des- what he I need says. a I need a villain with a desire to annihilate. Yes. And he uh, so later he keeps trying to think of a good villain. Of course, the big joke being he finds it in Cruella But at one point he's doing. He goes. You're gonna love this work I've done, and he's like, and it he's shows. Pongo. It shows code, and I'm like, okay. Again, there's no team here. It's like one guy stays at home and like taps on a computer in a yeah. game because I'm like, you need an artist to like come and up with it. And then he's getting Pongo's approval you've done, at this point. You've done no like, you haven't done any work unless he's also doing the art, which they don't show. It's just. That was the only part that really got me. Honestly, the rest of it is just kind of, they're not trying to go deep into the process, so it didn't bother me too much. But I do miss the musician. I I like Roger and Anita in the cartoon more. I'll go through it. Like I like Jasper Jasper and and Horace here better. Mm -hmm. I like Roger and Anita in the cartoon better. The Cruella de Vils are on a very similar level, but very... They're very different, but very amazing in their own right. And, and we're going to really with, get into that. And the same with Pongo and Perdita. I went into this going, I'm really going to miss the cartooniness of Pongo. But they... Th- these... They emote it. Like, the way, the they, way they emote... Got them, they're cute. Yeah. They're, 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 it's, they're fun to watch. And they do some things that... This is going to sound so stupid. But there's drama with some of this when yes. they with the scene where the where they come back after the the puppies have been stolen oh my gosh and perdita yeah. just stands and some of it's obviously mostly editing and things like that yeah but, but they just put stands this dog to where they were where they were born just, and stares at the empty crate or and then goes and lays down bed. in it and looks and then pongo lays next to her and yeah. it's and it i that like was it one because of the moments i teared up 
I th- yeah, Tara was crying during this. I think some of it is being a dog owner and seeing the real dogs is doing a lot. Like, yeah. I think at the end of the day, those are cartoon characters that they're trying to make seem like real dogs. This was real dogs doing real dog things. And I'm. it makes me glad that they didn't give him a voice. Me too. Didn't do Look Who's Talking, didn't do Bay. Yeah, do I really love stuff. the way they did it. And so he comes out of having this terrible day. And so he is so angry when he comes out of the water. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't even realize he doesn't get the right dog. And probably there aren't a ton of Dalmatians in... London, I maybe I don't know, and so he uh, he gets Perdita instead, and so that's kind of what ensues and all this confusion. And I love the bit where she's like, "I'm warning you, I'm going to hit you with my purse. You have my dog," and he's like, "I don't have your dog." And he keeps she keeps warning him, and she goes, "Okay," and she hits him, and he goes, "What did you have in that rocks?" And she goes, "No, actually bricks." And he's like, "What?" And she's like, "I'm." I'm redoing my garden, and every time I see a discarded brick, I pick it up. I just thought that was a funny bit that she actually had something heavy in her purse. Tara, I've got some. I've got a. I'm going to pop in with little facts every once in a while. Okay. I've got a Jeff Daniels fact. What is that? Jeff Daniels says that on more than one occasion, he heard an authoritative voice on the dog strewn set shout, Sit! and immediately plopped himself into a chair, only to be told, No, not you, Jeff. <laughs> I love that little tidbit and so funny. And I can picture him just like sitting down. Oh, me. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think I do the same thing, especially if you're an actor on a set where I think people are telling you what to do all the time. Yeah. And so we're not talking in order, like how everything happens. But the other thing that I love is the opening of seeing Cruella, of seeing Glenn Close as her, because we don't see her face. We see her car. Well, she's also got this hat. Yes, with the fishnet, with the netting. But, like, you see the car and you see the back of her outfit and it's House of DeVille. So she's high fashion. She's, you know, like the the head of her fashion company. The difference in this one is Anita works for her. Yes, Anita works for her and doesn't have, like, a college connection. And I think I said that in the animated version because I think I was remembering this Mm -hmm. version of Anita working for her. So you see the back of her, and then even as she walks through, as all the designers are sketching, that's when you see her profile, but you still don't see her face because hat's of the, the way, way the yeah. hat is. Well, the hat's like down, and then when she first knows, she's like, Anita! Like, so <laughs> she's, good. Glenn Close in this is just knows exactly what movie she's in and what she's trying to ape. Yes. Apparently, uh, I read that one thing that happened was she got the script and she said, this isn't villainous enough. I need it to be more villainous because they changed a bunch of lines and written a version for this movie. And so she just flat out rewatched the original one and wrote down lines and places and said, I'm going to say these here. Yeah. She goes, I want to put this stuff back in here. And as you're watching it, especially after watching the other one, you're going, oh, those are that's directly from it but i enjoyed that it was directly from it i didn't mind that they took it from it because there were points of the character that i think it needed to be there and i think she made a good choice like she made a very smart choice with that and so like you see her you see anita sketching an outfit of spots and she's inspired by her dog and she's talking about being obsessed with spots and then she asks anita to come to her office and her office has a very beetlejuice vibe like the chairs, yes. the way the chairs look and the design of it. Um, and I think it's making fun of that high fashion and high art kind of like, oh, what was her name? What's Lydia's mom's name? Oh, oh my gosh. I can't remember I her can't name. Remember I can't remember either. Uh, it's Catherine O'Hare, but I can't you, yeah. remember. Oh, I thought you were the character's name. I couldn't I remember the character's remember. name either. For a second um, there, I couldn't remember Catherine O'Hare. And I was but very yeah, so she, ashamed of myself. <laughs> she basically uh, just makes one change and it's a cape and it 
like looks even more stunning. Well, that was as funny as she goes, "Let me just make one change," and I went, "Oh, that's a good change." Like I thought it was gonna be used for comedy. It was just yeah. like I I don't know if they meant to do this, but it made me go, "Oh, Cruella knows what she's doing." Yeah, and the other thing I love too is she goes, "You know, Anita, if we make this coat, I'll be wearing your dog," and then she goes, "Woof woof!" Like she's, she's so insane so, from like, minute one. It's so good. And I I so I think we talked about this in the one hundred and one Dalmatians, and I'll put this up with this one. But I told you about the interview she did where the kid was like it was like it's Cruella DeVille and the kid was like nah uh and she goes bah! and just started laughing and like yeah. terrified the kid um real quick we talked about this beforehand what is your favorite Cruella DeVille outfit in okay, this movie okay so I wrote them down so you <laughs> could also decide because I know I which one I like just uh so favorite outfit is the opening one we described which is kind of this long black and white cape uh of fur and then mm-hmm. that hat she has the red and black fur at the end where mm-hmm. she's uh, in the barn. She has the black and white feathers where she's got that really hourglass silhouette when she's in yes. her house. Um, she, and then she's got the tiger stripes outfit when she comes in to, to see if the puppies have been born. Right. Which one is your favorite? That, so I don't know if mine's on there. There's one she has where she's wearing a hat that's covering up yes, all her hair. Yes, the black and white hat. But the yes. hat is matching her hair it's color. matching her hair and color, And I said yes. that was a day where she's like, can I please not put on the wig today? Yeah, like, so all that's this. your favorite? I like – so I have a couple. I liked her first one. It's probably my favorite altogether outfit, the introduction, because I yeah. love the hat. Uh-huh. Um, I like that – I like the hat that covers her hair. And then I liked the snake necklace she has. Ooh, and that's with the feather outfit, I believe. Yes. Yeah, and when it's, she's in her home. It's, it's, it's worth – watch for this necklace, guys, because it – it's hanging on her like a snake around her neck. And then the, her earring is like wrapped around her whole ear and then comes down. It's yeah. a really unique like design choice. The other thing we talked about is every single pair of gloves she has has nails on them. Has nails that almost look like claws, I think. But Right, but it's but these yes. big Lee press on. But she's so always where like... you never see her hands. Yes. She's always got gloves yes. on. Uh, which I think is an interesting choice. So I love all of the outfits, obviously. <laughs> uh, but I do think, well, here's the thing. I'm going to say what's great about all of them is the first one with the hat. I think it's such a great way to introduce her. The one with the tiger stripes, she like her figure looks really good. Like she looks like dynamite when she comes into that house. And that's the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is they do a throwback when it's a stormy night when the puppies are born. And mm-hmm. Horace and Jasper, she sends them. Basically, what we find out is she actually stole a Siberian tiger and she sent it to this guy, Skinner, and he does all the hard work and then Horace and Jasper go to pick it up to deliver it to her. So we find out that this is how she's making her coats. This is how she's like, she's stealing other animals. You don't think Horace and Jasper stole the tiger? They probably did steal the tiger. Yeah, I guess that's true. They do the grunt work, but he does like the, like... To me, the the gross part of the job. Oh, I thought but, I thought you were about to declare your appreciation for taxidermy. Oh here. no! So um, so we find all that out before this, and so we kind of find out that th- that's kind of the henchman, and she sends them to find out when the puppies are going to be born because she, there's a scene when she comes into Anita and she finds out they've been married. And she comes into their house and Roger from like moment one is pretty stern with her. It's pretty much like he doesn't disappear like in the cartoon. He first of all, they're not there's not that connection of like I mean, I guess there's a connection that she's her boss, but there's not that connection of Of like like a friendship or anything. Yeah. And there's also she from moment one is like a video game designer. Which I was like, like, give me a break. In all this splendor and looks around the apartment. 
Uh, but she, which is how uh, Tara's parents said when they met me, like a video game. That doesn't. No, not that at, at all. all. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. So she she comes in. She meets them, and she finds out that they are they're married. And she, you know, is just talking about how she misses her at work because I guess she's working more from home now. She's not in the office all the time. And then there was a scene earlier where we find out that not only is Perdita having puppies, but Anita's having puppies. And there's this bit where the doctor's office and the vet are next to each other, and you've got Roger and Pongo waiting out on the street. So for when them. I so first they show that the doctor's office is next to the the vet, and I go, oh god. And then they zoom out real quick, and they're both standing there, and it's still silly. But I was like, this is funny. It was like, funny. I liked it. But um, but yeah, so. They basically tell her, oh, we're expecting puppies and a baby. Well, Tara, I think we've missed a, a, a good portion. A, a thing a thing we've missed talking about in this movie is, is Nanny. Okay, so here's the thing, listeners. I'm really worried about time because Ryan has given me this time limit, so I'm not following my notes. So everything is out of order, okay. and it's kind of jumbling me a little bit because well, it's not how I'm used to doing things. Right, I'm not trying well, to blame you. Now but. we're doing it my way. And it's wild. I can't be in your brain because I'm all over the place. But um, yes, we're I missing did miss Joan Nanny. Plowright. Nanny. nanny I, I like this nanny better than the other nanny. Mostly because this woman has played uh, Mrs. Wilson and Dennis the Menace. And I, she's, she's been in a great, ton of other things. But she things. also gave a similar vibe to the nanny in the cartoon. Yes. But she, you, she looked like another person who went, I'm going to study this character in the cartoon. And then enhance it's, it's it. It's either great casting or like good I study. I think it might be both. Because Horace and Jasper again are different. Roger and Perdita are different. They have similarities, the but yeah. The dogs are dogs. Yeah. And then, and but then Nanny, Nanny's... too, we find out that like she did take care of Anita when yes. she was younger because she's helping them set up the house as now that they're married. And them getting married was a quick shot as it was. It was very quick that it happened. Same in the cartoon. And Nanny, we find out when Roger and Anita find out they're pregnant, Nanny is talking about how Perdita is looking like... You know, all the traits that start happening when you start carrying puppies or carrying mm-hmm. a baby. And then Anita starts mimicking some of the things. And then she goes, Anita, you're going to have a puppy. And then Anita faints. Yes. Uh, and There's then a lot cuts... of broad comedy. There's a couple points of broad yeah. comedy that I laugh. That and I then it cuts didn't really to the doctor scene. But now um, we're going back to kind of where I was to start. I'm kind yeah. of like in a weird circle here. But Roger has met. Cruella and she comes in and mm-hmm. she finds out they're having puppies and I think when she finds out they're having a baby she's like oh how dreadful like she can't yes. like she's so turned off and she's like I'm so sorry basically like saying I'm so sorry for your loss essentially and you said that you like appreciated in the in the cartoon that there wasn't like a this was a family without babies I did appreciate that Anita and Roger in the cartoon didn't have kids and maybe that's because I can relate to that because we don't have kids and we have dogs and we love our dog. I gotta be honest, the addition of them being pregnant did nothing for this movie. No, I think maybe it was just that's why she's not working for her anymore, but it seemed mm-hmm. like she had kind of cut back her work anyway. Yeah. Um, there's just so many good like one lines and things that I wanna say. Like when she looks in the mirror and says mirror mirror on the wall about and the then tiger. Makes the dead tiger head yes. mouth there. Uh huh. So I'm just looking through my notes to make sure we get those things. Well, but while you're looking through that, can I give you a quick well, I still didn't ever get to my first point. I'm so sorry. So I was basically saying that she had met them before. Mm-hmm. Like Roger had met them. Roger was stern. And Roger said, like, 
no, the puppies are not for sale. Because when she finds out they're having puppies, but they didn't have them yet, she wants them, and she offers them like seventy five hundred. No, she doesn't pounds. offer the money till she comes back, but they don't have spots. That's right. That's right. Um, Would you like to know how much seventy five hundred pounds was in nineteen ninety six dollars? Yes, twelve thousand eight hundred sixty two dollars and fifty cents. Oh wow. So, yeah, so she basically, the other thing she does is she's snooping through their mail. Like, they're coming back from the doctor's office, remember? And she's in the house. Yes. And so that all happens, and then she, then we see her in the feather bow of a snake necklace, Mm -hmm. and she's talking to Horace and Jasper about how she wants them to get the puppies. Uh, And so they snoop for her. So they are, like, looking through the window to see when the puppies are being born, and there's that exact scene that we talked about when Jasper looks through the car side oh, mirror. When he's going to steal them later, he and they're going out for the walk, they have the same shot of him holding the... Yeah, the well, that's mirror. all the same night. The night yeah. the puppies are born... No, no, oh, no, no, it's, it's a little not. bit later. It is a little bit later. I'm sorry. See, I'm so jumbled. <laughs> I can't well, jump is, around. I, I don't mean to be rude, but this is an interesting examination on, like... Because I pushed back on how, like structured the podcast was at first and now i'm seeing like we're this is a little bit of a marriage realization for us like yeah uh, i'm very frazzled right okay. now listeners so, so i'm trying really hard but the point i've been trying to make this whole time that but you've I, made okay time out you've made like six points in between there and i'm like oh yes. this must be the point you're like no that wasn't the well, point no, i was making because i you had to i had to describe up to this point what's because what's your point the point is when Corilla shows up, when it's stormy, they take it directly from her first scene. Mm-hmm. So the first time we see her in the cartoon, it is her silhouette in the window. Yes. And I wanted to get to that, but then we hadn't talked about Corilla yet. So we had to talk about her first. So, but it's the same exact silhouette. And I just thought that that was really cool. That was my point, And I feel like now it's deflated because <laughs> it's not as exciting. Well, it's, it, no, I'm with you. It, it's definitely it something we'll put up cool, as both cool of them. Moment. There's shots like this. This is, I think what makes this movie good is there's love for the movie on different levels. It's not the exact same movie because I think there's going to be movies we see in this series of doing live actions that are just shot for shot remakes. But I think having a, an appreciation for the first one, but wanting to do something slightly different with it, yeah, is is interesting. Can I give you a Corella Deville fact? Yes, please do. When Glenn, Cor- why can't I read? When Glenn Close appeared on the set as Corella in full fright wig, makeup, and costume, one of the dogs playing Purdy repeatedly tried to sneak away. I love that. Um, and so basically that's when Roger Stern says they're not for sale. That's when the money comes up Mm -hmm. in the check. And when she realizes that she's not going to get them, then she goes wild. She rips the check up and she has the crazy laughter. And it's very reminiscent of how it happens in the cartoon. And, um, I also love that when we see the puppies later, when they're bigger, they're watching Aristocats at first. They're watching Aristocats, and then they change it to Homeward Bound. Yeah, and then that's when they give them the collars. Yes. So all of that happens, and then then we've got the shot in the rear view. So that's when that happens, and they watch them on their walk. And then I love the bit when Horace and Jasper, they're getting ready to go in to steal the puppies, and they put on pantyhose. And Jasper has pantyhose, and he puts his on, and then Horace just takes the other leg of the pantyhose, and they're, like, stuck together. (laughs) And he's like, get your own. And then they go in, and Nanny is such a sweet character. And she, for minute one, is like, absolutely not. And they wind up locking her in a closet under the stairs. 
still locking her away, but it happens differently in it's the live action. It's also quicker. They just grab her, and they're, he, yeah. she's, like, fighting back, and they put her in there. They lock her away. Whereas in the other one, it felt like they were toying with her, and I don't know. And he felt... does make a point to say, I like a feisty woman or something like that. You know what You know what it reminded me of? Do you remember in Jurassic World where that one woman got eaten, and it just kept going and going and yes. going? That's what the, the cartoon felt to me. I'm like, okay, we've established that you're going to capture this woman. Just capture her, and let's not you know linger on this on this yeah yeah they basically just throw them all in a sack and put them over their shoulder and take them away and um we talked about when purdy and pongo come back and how sad they look and the other thing we sorry the other thing we we should mention is um we get to see all the different personality dogs throughout Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. like they meant they we see the general with the bulldog and we see some other types of dogs in the park and then the twilight bark comes into play and it happens differently but i love this whole montage of all the different dogs barking yeah it's similar but very different at the same there's time. definitely dogs you recognize from it and then they they add a few i will say later they come up on mr tibbs isn't really well there's a cat in it but since you can't train a cat they kind of give all the running they through give the house a and rescuing dog. the dog to another yeah dog. there's the colonel there's the captain the horse there is a cat Mm-hmm. And then the Mr. Tibbs, I keep calling that dog Mr. Tibbs, is really great yeah. in the movie. And then there's other animals that kind of join in, some squirrels and some raccoons. Yeah. Uh, I want to back up for one second. There's a part where they're putting the puppies away and the bulldog starts barking at them. And that's in in a draw yes. a throwback to the, excuse me, the original movie. Horace goes, I think that dog knows what we're doing. And Jasper's like, don't be an idiot. And it's like one of those things where Horace knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and, and that's Jasper throughout this movie it. too. Horace keeps making yeah. those comments. And the other thing I wanted to mention here is she, so there's two funny bits with Skinner with the taxidermist. The first is when Horace and Jasper first meet up with him. Jasper's like, okay, there are two things that you can't do. Do not ask him about his scar because <laughs> apparently a dog like mauled him and his whole neck is scarred. And do not stare at it, right? That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. And literally, they open the door, and Horace is like, "Oh my, oh my god, god look at his scar. scar!" And he has to like close the door. The other bit with Skinner is Corella calls Skinner up and says, "You know, we get to the point where like police, police have been notified yes. about the the stolen puppies. The, the police, the London police. Yes, must, uh, your dogs are fine. We must find Miss Corella. Like it's the yes. most." Like Monty Python making fun of some upper class. Uh, I think he's Englishman. got a big gap between his teeth oh. too. Uh, oh, but when she yes. calls, when she calls Skinner, she uses the exact lines from the animated version. When uh, so this is the other bit with Skinner is since he's mute, he uses Morse code. He, yeah, so he taps he something out on the phone. On the phone, and she goes, "I don't care how you do it. You can bash them over the head. Use chloroform. Drown them. Whatever you want." And that's directly out of the um out of the animated and so there's just so many scenes about i feel like i could just do a 45 minute episode on glenn close's performance like it was so good i want to cover lots of bits about this movie because we haven't gotten to the barn and there's a lot of like things with the animals and the ending home alone yeah but it's just so so good and um there's so when the dogs are are coming out of the house. Basically, Mr. Tibbs, the dog. This goes is in. where kind of the Home Alone sequence Yeah, start. we're starting to see all the animals, like squirrels are eating the wires in the truck to make that malfunction, and a raccoon puts 
one of them in the tail, uh, like a nut in the tailpipe. And then the woodpecker starts knocking on the door and then Horace and Jasper like come to see what's going on and there's nobody there. So there are all these things happening. Tibbs finds the puppies and is like leading them through the house. And then they go down that storm drain, which was a funny bit, He's, like shooting them yeah. down to the colonel so they can get them all out of the house because they're up on the roof yeah. is how they end up up there. But the whole bit, I love, you know, they're in this rundown house. It's like Carilla's family's property. You see it says DeVille at one point, and then you hear it later on that she had to tend to a family emergency or whatever. This um, one with uh, less objectionable language than the cartoon one, because they don't call it yeah, they, H-E double hockey oh, stick at all. Right, it's just yeah. the old DeVille place. Yes. Can, can we back up to one thing? We were talking about Horace and stuff. Yes. When they're, when they're, the raccoons are in the car and they're honking the horn and then they chase him off with rocks and and jasper's like you'll think twice about doing that should you elect to return it's yes, like the weirdest so, long he's, he's a gentleman he's trying crook. to be proper but yes. yeah he's not he's got that captain hook energy yes of like he does. trying to and be it's really a gentleman. funny it's really funny because every time he talks to Corilla, it's madame deville hello madame. or miss deville like he's very proper with everything he kind of does with her too uh, and so then there's like all these home alone bits between the animals and Horace and Jasper, as well as Corella a little bit later. But one of the, the big ones with Horace is he slides over ice that's in the house. Cause I guess the, there's a the hole in the is, roof. Yeah. yeah. And there's snow and ice. He slides through that, through the window into what I thought was a pool, but then Jasper calls it a pond, but whatever it is, it's ice water in the middle of winter and then he freezes like completely freezes <laughs> yeah uh and then the one of the big bits with jasper is he falls in a hole in the floor and falls onto a pool table and then slides into the floor and that's very reminiscent home alone 2 when marv falls through the floor and hits all the paint cans on the wall but this one ends with a like a stuffed head a stuffed head getting stuck in in the position of kissing him which i thought was pr- i like that that's yeah. my favorite Home alone bit. Yeah. Speaking of Home Alone, would you like a John Hughes fact? I would love that. Writer and producer John Hughes made more money from this movie than any other movie in his career because his contract gave him a piece of the merchandising profits. Oh, smart man. And this had a lot of merchandising. Yeah. Uh, so the other bit that like comes into play later is a skunk gets into her car at one point when she comes out to the property to see Mm -hmm. what's going on and then she realizes the puppies are gone and then we don't see anything about the skunk till later um but i love the shots of her as she's looking and seeing the paw prints in the snow her peering through the window of her car looking down and then in the barn when she peers through she looks through the wood in the barn to see if the puppies are in there and it's just her eyes when she's driving around in the car and leaning out she looks straight from the movie she does she did her freaking homework it's insane i mean glenn close is amazing as an actress but she took this role, I said it to Ryan, she took this role so seriously. And what I mean by that is, like, Ryan said it. Like, she knew what she was trying to be. She knew she was trying to be, like, this character of a cartoon. Well, But she did such a phenomenal job at embodying this Because she had fun character. with it. It's like, yeah. she was just an, a, like a comic book villain or a wrestling heel or something just over yeah. the top. And you look at the ones, like, we saw uh, Beauty and the Beast. And, like... I liked Gaston, but he wasn't like the cartoon Beauty Gaston. Beauty and the Beast was fine. I'd like and to I've rewatch seen... it after we see the Absolutely. animated so, one. But... So think about that Gaston. I've seen some things for Jafar and Aladdin. Both of those are like top tier villains. And everyone just tried to create, like, I think everyone goes, well, what's what's the background? What's the 
what 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 are we really trying to do here with this? And it's no, it's a Disney villain. Go nuts, man! And I think Glenn, I Glenn I was like, she took it and ran with it, and her performance. I'm telling you, like that alone is worth it to rewatch this movie. I have a lot of hope for Angelina Jolie's Maleficent performance. I've heard the movie's not great, but I'm I'm interested to see her performance. But I have a lot of hope for Kate Blanchett as the evil stepmother in Cinderella because I seen her. We have not Th- seen it. Seeing yeah. her in Thor Ragnarok leads me to believe that she's got over the top villains inside her. I so, hope so I hope we see the same th- kind of, that's not the same kind of character, but still embodying yeah. that. And so uh, the, real quick, we have 10 minutes. <laughs> so the whole, uh, the whole barn scene, there's basically shots back and forth. So you're seeing what's happening with Horace and Jasper. You know, they can't get their car to start because the squirrels chewed through all the wires. You're trying to see them like getting to the puppies. And then you're trying to see Corella get to the puppies. And what we both liked is it's Corella who gets to the puppies and she's the one who gets beat up by all the animals. Yes. Whereas in the cartoon version, it's Horace and Jasper who kind of get the brunt of everything. Well, she does stuff like she gets a pig that falls on her. Yeah, she, she... pulls pulls a pig's tail thinking it's a puppy's tail and it's up like in this loft of the mm-hmm. barn and it all falls on her. At one point, one of the, the the like crazy things that made her look like a Batman villain is she's up. She falls in a vat of molasses. Falls in a vat of molasses. And so her fur's covered and it's so heavy. And we were like, I wonder if that's a stunt woman. And it's like, n- no. Some of it might Some of that been, might be. But... but like the majority of her covered in it is her because then she's acting and talking like all in this like. Yeah, at the end, she falls in, in end. pig manure Doo-doo. okay thank you I yeah think of word, like manure. manure um and um, then she uh she gets she's just straw covered. on her and she's having like a monologue against the animals like yes. you all may have won the battle but, but I- i'm going to win the war and you're going the wardrobe to- yes that's right the so wardrobe good. and then the um, horse just kicks her out of the bar oh no he kicks a, a plank that's and the when plank she goes into the manure her. yeah yes and so then around that time, the cops show up, and they're like, Mr. Villa, we have a warfare nest. And she's, like, trying to look demure. And she's like, yeah. oh, me? Yes. She's like, oh, whatever is it for? Or whatever yes. is it about? Or whatever. Uh, and then another bit that I love is they cut to all of them in the cop car. So that's the other thing. So Horace and Jasper are, like, desperate. They're freezing. <laughs> yeah, they're they cold. They've been electrocuted. In. And they see all the cops coming, and instead of them being worried and running away, they're like, oh, oh my goodness, we're saved. He and goes, I think he goes, thank God. We're saved. And they go in, and they sit down in the car, and they're like, oh, lovely. Oh, it's so warm in here. And, and then Skinner, yeah, they turn, and they see Skinner's with them. Because Skinner had gone to the, the house, to the DeVille place, and found Lucky and Mr. Tibbs attacked him, and then... I guess the cops got him. The cops, yeah, came to that, went to the house first. So then, when Carilla gets in there, then she starts going in about how they're morons and like you've you won the won. gold, silver, and bronze for the moron yes. Olympics. And, and then, then there's Horace, a long pause, and Horse goes, "Who won the gold?" <laughs> so good. And then she's looking through her purse to try to get a cigarette, and everything's still covered in molasses. And this is where the skunk comes back into the play. Her purse looked was a skunk, was a skunk fur, and then it was the real skunk, and the skunk. Sprays, sprays them. them all and that's the last we see of them and then it cuts to the puppies and they fill all the cars all the cop cars with puppies and they bring them back to anita and roger and all the neighbors are like looking out the windows seeing all the commotion of what's happening yes and they see the puppies and they tell them they're like well no one else has claimed the rest of these puppies and uh you know if you don't take them 
then they're going to go to the pound. Oh, the other thing that was a homeward bound moment that we skipped over. So throughout the movie, when they're at the old house, Lucky gets left behind. Yeah. And Tibbs helps Lucky because Lucky gets left behind. And when Skinner comes to the house, Lucky's the only dog still in the house. And he goes after Lucky. And Tibbs comes in and bites him on the butt and, like, goes after Skinner And then right before they all get in the cars to go back to London to Anita and Roger, Pongo keeps barking and it's because he doesn't have Lucky yet. And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you see Lucky running with the Mr. Tibbs dog and I teared up there I was about to say, did you cry at that Um, part as well? Yeah, so that was the other part. But then as they're seeing all the puppies come off the cars, out of the cars, they're like, well... Anita doesn't want to take them, but you see Nanny's face. Nanny is all about taking all of those oh, dogs. Yeah. Roger's all about taking all of those dogs. Nanny says we, we forgot are- about the part where Nanny woofs in her sleep during the yes. twilight bark. She's like, woo, woo. yeah. So she might be more partial to dogs than them. Uh, Nanny's great, and Nanny says we already have seventeen. What's a few more? I would argue that a hundred and one, yeah, is is way more than a few. But yeah, we didn't like really dive into nanny's character but she's delightful she's so so good um and then we cut to a true dalmatian plantation uh which is the song that roger makes at the end uh well first oh yes we cut to the video game first and he's put corell in and all the dogs are watching and they're reacting goofy and then the kid's like great villain mate and just walks away and they're like oh we'll be in touch soon and it's like that's okay yeah anyway. so roger sells the game essentially is what we're to believe and then it cuts to this dalmatian plantation and they're sitting having tea and you can see that the baby their daughter is maybe a, a year, year old, old yeah. or so and well they say they go i can't believe our daughter in, in like voiceover yeah in traditional disney fast ending style they're yeah. like i can't believe our daughter's a year older and we have all these dalmatians and then and they, then they had their kids. children and then they had their children and then nanny goes and their stepchildren which and i was like that's an interesting well like there some of them are they were adopted and i, I guess that's knows. true and yeah and so there's a lot more full-grown dalmatians yeah uh, they on zoom the out and there's and they are in the country in the middle of nowhere in this giant house that is spotted yeah, the house is spotted like a Dalmatian, yeah. and I and then we hear the subpar John, Dr. John version of Cruella Deville. Yeah. Um, all in all, guys, I, we don't really have questions for this one because I think we covered them in the thing. Um, I I thought this one, I I think I liked the original better, but not by nearly as much as I thought I was going to. And I think this one is is funnier. It's more of a goof comedy. Yeah. Listeners, thank you for joining me on this kind of anxiety-filled journey. Anxiety? Uh, I feel like I was like, but, 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 and I was a little all over the place. Um, but yeah, I guess that's an insight into me uh, I think, I more think than we're anything. just going to have to, from now on, look and make tough decisions on just cutting rip, and talking about rip, stuff. rip the Band-Aid off. But what I will say about this uh, is it's definitely worth a rewatch. It is on Disney plus. If you want to own it, we looked up on Amazon. It's going for like over a hundred dollars because I think it's out of print. So don't try to buy it. Yeah. Uh, unless you see it in like a secondhand store or a thrift store or something. Oh, in which case buy it. Cause apparently it's going yeah. for a lot, but it is on Disney plus, And I will say kind of the same thing as Ryan. I loved the cartoon, but I felt like way more nostalgic to this one. And it's probably cause I was 12 with this one. Yeah. And I just think I connected to it more. And I will say, it's. I think we're gonna find this with a lot of the live action versions that like you can't necessarily compare it like one for one mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. But this one feels like I don't. I don't want to say that you could, but this one, like you said, I think is just as good in a lot of ways. And her 
her performance alone, and she doesn't carry the movie. Like everyone holds their own. I think she carries a lot of the she movie. She carries but she's, a lot of the movie. She's not carrying what, dead weight. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. She carries the movie in the best ways possible. But what I'm saying is her performance isn't the only reason to watch the movie. But if the, you like Corilla DeVille, you need to watch this movie. The worst performances in this movie were fine. Yeah. There wasn't a really a bad performance. There were some silly writing scenes that I think good performances made better. And yeah. I and I, again, I think this was a movie this was a remake made by people who loved who had good attention to the original and did something different. And now it's now the thing they did different was obviously and then we're going to have the end from Home Alone, but if you're going to do that, hire John Hughes to come yeah, right here. Yeah, cuz he did it really <laughs> yeah. well. And yes, it did feel very Home Alone-esque the way they set certain things up as well. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was just as delightful as I remembered it. I mm-hmm. was feeling so nostalgic and I was super worried that I was going to be disappointed and I was not disappointed at all. And guys, before we go, I just want to take a moment to say how proud I am of my <laughs> wife for doing this in under the amount of time, maybe just a few minutes. It, it, it took a lot more out of her than I thought it would. Guys. But I- <laughs> I thank you for joining me on this journey. I'll try to do better in the future live action episodes. But as you can see, I like structure and I like following beats of a movie. So I kind of get turned around and confused uh, if I don't have my notes to follow. But yeah, um, thanks for joining us on this, guys. And seriously, if you if it's a movie that has a live action version that um, we have already watched the cartoon version, tell us which one you want to hear next. Yeah, we we actually. Um, wanted to watch Cinderella after Cinderella and Disney Plus currently doesn't mm-hmm. have it up there because I'm assuming something with the rights of it. Uh, so that was next on our list. But if there are any others that are on Disney Plus that you know we can have access to, we'd love to hear which one you'd like to hear next. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. (laughs) 